This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta, online at AudiAugusta.com. Peter Kessler, a golf historian, award-winning broadcaster, the guy to whom we turn after a major championship. It's a pleasure to welcome Peter Kessler back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Peter? I am delighted to be with you. I am honored to be with you, and I'm excited to be able to have this chat after the first major of the year. All right, first major of the year. Was it a memorable Masters? Oh, yeah. This was, this, this was a, in my view, an extremely important tournament, actually, in a lot of ways. The, the most important thing to me, setting aside the great win of Scotty Scheffler and Tiger Woods being able to play four rounds, but the thing that I appreciated so much was that Fred Ridley, the chairman of Augusta National, has clearly taken the view that, okay, if you guys at the USGA aren't going to do something about the equipment, which no longer fits the field of play, in many ways because the approach shot has been taken away from golf, there are no more mid-irons because drive pro golf has become drive, chip, and putt, literally like drive, chip, and putt. There's no drive approach chip and putt in professional golf, generally speaking, except for big tournaments like the Masters and the U.S. Open. And at the Masters, they can do anything they want. And Fred Ridley did it again without saying anything. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to the golf course. I'll buy any part of town that I have to buy so that I negate the advantages and the changes in the game that have occurred since 1982 when title was first introduced the 384 ball. And from 1901 until the 1970s, the ball didn't change much, which is why Nicholas's records were comparable to Jones's records and Hogan's records and Sneed's records. Same courses, same equipment virtually the same golf ball till 1970. So as we well know, Phil Mickelson in his 50s hits it 60 yards farther than he did in his late 20s. In 1982, Jack Nicklaus said, I'm not longer than I used to be, but I'm hitting this ball farther than I used to. You ought to take a look. That was the 384 Titleist. That's when all of this began. Fred Ridley knows it as well or better than I do. He wants five irons. If you don't have five iron second shots, there's no Walter Hagen, no Arnold Palmer, no Seve Ballesteros, no Tiger Woods. And I'm talking about from awkward angles over the wrong bunker, go with the slope going the wrong way on a green. That's a vital part of historic golf. It was missing. Fred Ridley has restored it. It's his way of saying the guys are going to have to play real golf on my golf course. So for me, it was an incredible setup because I firmly believe that the winning score of a major championship should be right around 10 under par. Why? Because it says that the golf course was set up tough, but it was set up to yield to the brilliance of the best players in the field that week. And two under a round, two and a half under a round, which is what we ended up with, that's an appropriate winning score. It means you had to evidence all parts of your game. So it's not about saving pars. You, you had to do that. But you also had to take your chances, which were far fewer than have ever been at Augusta National. So the hottest player in the world won. He's not the best player in the world. That's something you do over a period of several years. But he's certainly the hottest player in the world. And the greatest player still playing golf, Tiger Woods, 
said one thing after the tournament was over, which tells us everything we need to know if you look into it, which is immediately after the Masters was over, he went ahead and he signed up to play in the Open Championship. What does that mean? That means that Tiger Woods knows that his game needs work, but that his body can get through the four rounds. And the British Open, the Open Championship, is going to play on a flat piece of ground instead of on the side of a mountain that's 45 degrees and it's sloped all the way around the golf course. The whole thing is on the side of a hill. So Tiger said, I'm signing up for the Open. That means my game sucks. I'm going to fix it up, but I'm good enough and healthy enough inside, and I have the intent to go ahead and do this. So I was thrilled, and Scotty Scheffler did the most important thing he could do for himself on Sunday if you'd asked him in advance, which was he never put pressure on his putter. The one thing you hope doesn't have have to happen to you. You know, and he could have gone two over on holes number one and three, and instead he went one under, and he didn't have to putt. He had the two-footer on one, the no-footer on three. His first important putt came on 11. He knocked it in, and the golf tournament was over. And it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen is that he was able to hit shots like a 90-shooter to open up his round, hold them out like a plus-six handicap, move along, sort himself out, and never put pressure on his game. And most importantly, no eight- and ten-footers to keep the thing together. We're talking with Peter Kessler here on the Augusta Golf Show. Mentioning the changes Fred made, we heard all about them before the tournament starts. Were you surprised how meaningful they seemed to be? No. I thought it, it, was, it was everything that I hoped for, and I hoped for a lot. I mean, it, now, 11 now is a straightaway hole, so they took the awkward angle out, they cleaned up the right side, it's now a hole that fits Augusta National. And I like that if the weather says you have to lay up on a par four like 11, because it's playing so long and you have 235 in, into the wind, okay, you know what? Bobby Jones said, you, you don't have to birdie every hole. You don't birdie every hole. You don't anticipate it. Sometimes you're just playing for the par. I like that on 11. I thought 15 was slightly disappointing only because the weather forced them to lay up, but. What's the toughest pitch in golf hmm. to a par five? The downhill third to the par five fifteenth. So I was good with that. And I noticed definitely that the tee on 18, even though I didn't hear anybody say anything, is at least 10 or 12 yards further back than it was before. Another club, another club and a half. That's why we saw balls short and left of the first fairway bunker on 18. So... I was really happy with the changes, and it really fit the original concept of the course, and it really made you do some of the things that Augusta National hasn't required lately to evidence a complete game all the way through the bag for 72 holes. Yes, I thought it was a wow. Do you think, Peter, Fred's trying to do everything he can do without changing 13? Yeah, you know, it's it, yes, I think that's, that's exactly true, because as we know... He, he he has, we know what his cards are. We, you know, he can't hold them to his vest because he already owns the land to extend the tee to 25 yards that modern equipment says that you need to extend it. Fred appreciates, however, that number 13 was specifically designed as a par four and a half hole, as was 15 too, that 
good chance for birdie by knocking on two, but you could sure make six quickly by trying to knock it on in two. And so 13 played this year reasonably well. Guys had some super long shots. Guys were laying up short and right. And so whatever's going on there with that hole that's so subtle that we can't pick up on it, it seemed to have more teeth without the thing being lengthened. Nobody was hitting nine iron. There was no that Bubba Watson stuff down the left side and almost hit the trees. Guys are hitting five woods and laying them up short and right and missing them short and right as well. And in a lot of cases, Tiger did that, hit a five wood in, but left himself a great little angle. But that was a happy accident. That wasn't a good golf shot. So 13 played as a par four and a half in my head. Am I going to go for it or am I not? That's the decision upon which you know that you're at a part four and a half hole is should I or shouldn't I? So I'm good with that. I started the conversation by asking you if it was a memorable Masters. What does it take for a tournament to be remembered 50 years from now? 50 years from now, it has to have been won by somebody who turns out to be a great player for a period of time. These are the ones that we remember. Gene Sarazen, you know, holding out for double eagle in 1935. And he's the first man who won all four majors. We don't remember Horton Smith winning in 34 and 36 so much because we don't consider him, generally speaking, even noted historians and people who take a deep look as one of the greatest players of all time. What do you do with Gene Sarris? He's got seven major championships. You know, Hogan and Nelson playing off with uh, with Nelson winning just before it, it was canceled for the last couple of years of World War II. An incredibly memorable playoff. Byron Nelson starts with a six and then goes six under in a six-hole stretch to go ahead and later go ahead and knock off Hogan. So the ones that we remember, Jack bludgeoning the golf course in 65, Bobby Jones saying he played a game with which I'm not familiar. And, of course, that was not true. Bobby Jones was intimately familiar with Jack's game because it was exactly the one that he played, except in Southern Company Manners, who would know better than you, you say the right thing. You say the nice thing. Was it a lie? Yeah, of course it was a lie because Jones was just as good as Nicholas was. You know, Arnold winning four times the last time by six shots and Dave Mar saying on the tee, hey, go ahead and make an eight. That's how you could help me here. So, you know, the ones that we remember, Jack winning his sixth, Tiger winning his first, those are the ones that get remembered in 50 years. You know, those are the things that get remembered long-term. You know, golf's a relatively new game. You think of art. Da Vinci, 500 years ago, like it happened yesterday. Michelangelo, the same thing. So there's very few greats in any field. And genius comes from the fact, in my view, that some people get a gift. Some of the people who get a gift recognize that they get a gift, and some of those learn how to manipulate it and get everything out of themselves that's possible without getting in their own way. And in golf, that would be like Tiger and Jack. And so will, so will Scotty Scheffler go down in 50 years? If he gets six more majors, he will. If he doesn't, it'll be a family affair. It'll be his hometown. It'll be where he plays golf, where he's learned to play golf. So they're always special, but it depends 
the broadness and the depth and the range of that specialness to how many people it affects depends on who the player is. So Scotty Shuffler's victory never goes away. It'll never mean less to his family, to his grandkids, than it did this past Sunday. It won't be remembered by the world unless he continues to play the golf that's worthy of us and forces us to consider him in the context of the best of all time. All right, we got to go. One word answer. Is it an albatross or a double eagle? Certainly both. Oh, all right. We'll have to save that for another time. He is Peter Kessler. Uh, I always appreciate the time, Peter. Thank you for doing this. It's a great pleasure. I love being with you, and I'm always honored to be on the show. It's the best show on radio, on golf. It, it has been since I've been first aware of it when I was a little boy and you right, were stop. in your 30s, so I'm delighted to be on it.